I am thrilled there's this many out tonight. I knew that graduation was going to decimate our uh, turnout, but you guys, you surprised me. It's awesome. Let's keep it going. Four more weeks after tonight. Four more weeks after tonight. Habakkuk chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through verse 11 tonight. But before we do that, and you can find that, here's where we're headed tonight. If I had to say two, two main points from tonight, it will be this. True satisfaction through faith alone. True security through faith alone. But let me give you some backdrop here. All the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, God says to the serpent after he tempts Eve, I am going to put hostility between your offspring and the offspring of the woman. And ever since then, there have been basically, uh, mankind has been divided into two groups. Those who align themselves with God and those who don't. And they are at war, in a sense, with even one another. And then you come to Psalm 1. And by the way, Nicole and I did not know that we were going to both be talking about Psalm 1 tonight. It's the way the Spirit works. But in Psalm 1, you have that same thing. You have in Psalm 1 two different people, two different ways of living, two different destinies set up. Well, the reason I say that is you find that throughout the Bible. And when you come to the answer that God gives to Habakkuk, after Habakkuk is crying out to the Lord and said, Lord, what are you going to do about all the, 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 the spiritual decline of your people in Judah, and God comes back with the answer, well, I'm going to bring the Babylonians in as my instrument of judgment to humble them and bring them back to me, Habakkuk's like, whoa, God, that's, that's not what I expected. And then we learned several weeks ago that Habakkuk chooses to worship God, and then he chooses to wait and to watch for God's answer. And last week we said that God came back initially with this answer. He says, look, there's two types of people. Verse 4 of Habakkuk 2. There are those whose desires are not upright and they will faint from exhaustion running after those desires that are not from me. And then there are those who are people of integrity who have aligned their lives with me who will live by faith which will produce a faithfulness in them. We talked about that last week. Now then beginning in verse 5 of chapter 2, all the way down through the rest of the chapter, God begins to share with the prophet some things that hopefully will encourage him in the midst of trying to wrap his mind around the fact that the Babylonians are still going to come and basically be God's instrument of judgment over his people, Judah. Because one of Habakkuk's complaints, if you will, as he wrestled with God over this was, God, the people that you're raising up as your instrument of judgment against your people are worse than we are. So how do you reconcile that? And God basically tells him, beginning in verse 6 of chapter 2, down through the rest of the chapter, he weaves it through other things that God wants to explain to Habakkuk, that 
even though they're my instrument of judgment to humble my people and, and bring them back to me, it's not like I'm not a God of justice. It's not like they're going to get away with all the evil that they do. It's not like that, you know, they're going to be excused by all the bad things that they do. As God says down through these verses, they plundered others, one day they'll be plundered. They exploited others, one day they'll be exploited. Uh, they overran and conquered other peoples, and they'll be conquered themselves. And obviously, again, we said last week, God raised up the Medes and the Persians, and they come in after 70 years, and they took over the Babylonians. And the Bible even says in Galatians 6, 7, God is not made a fool. A man will reap what he sows. And God is a God of justice. Which is why Paul even calls upon Christians to give place to God's wrath. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. In other words, he's saying, don't take vengeance on yourself. Let God's wrath work itself out. No one's going to get away with anything that they do. No one. If, if anybody got away with anything, if you will, and sin was not in some way dealt with, and there weren't consequences to sin, then God would cease to be God. And God's not going to cease to be God. Now, there might be times where the consequences or they're reaping what they sow doesn't happen until eternity. It might be that the whole time they're on earth, you know, they might at least appear as if they're not getting what's coming to them. But God wants to again to assure His people they will get exactly what they deserve. God will repay everyone according to their deeds. To those who have done good, He will reward. To those who have done evil, they will also be rewarded. And that's one of the messages that hopefully will sort of settle Habakkuk down, if you will, and, and say, look, just because I'm using these people doesn't mean they're not going to be punished as well. They're not going to get away with anything. God is a God of justice. But he also wants to teach Habakkuk, and through Habakkuk, his people, something here. He wants to show them the choices that the Babylonians are making, and then he wants to hopefully get them to see that the other way of living... Not the way that he points out at the beginning of verse 4, chapter 2. The desires that are not upright, speaking of the Babylonians in this context, he wants his people to go, yeah, you're right, we need to live by faith. And this is what living by faith is. It's just the opposite of the choices the Babylonians make. So, beginning in verse 5, let's just read verse 5. He says, indeed, wine will betray the proud, restless man. By the way, if you read the book of Daniel, Belshazzar, remember he had that great big drunken party and that's when the handwriting appeared on the wall? His appetite is as big as Sheol's or the grave. Like death, he is never satisfied. He gathers all the nations. He seizes all peoples. He talks about the fact that he accumulates, verse 6, what does not belong to him. 
He talks about the fact that he gets rich at the end of verse 6 by extortion. He talks in verse 8 about robbing many countries. You see, the proud one's objective, in this case, Babylon, their objective was satisfaction comes through accumulating material things. That's the way they saw life. If I want to be fulfilled, if I want to be satisfied, I need to accumulate all of these material possessions. And I want you to go back to that phrase in verse 5, he is never satisfied. That's the downfall of pursuing life and pursuing fulfillment and satisfaction through material things. I'm going to be sharing a lot of Bible verses with you tonight, so just write these references down because we won't be able to have time to turn to them all. But the first one is Proverbs 27.20. Listen to this. As death and destruction are never satisfied, so the eyes of a person are never satisfied. Okay? And he said that were the, that's, that's the Babylonians. They were never, no matter how much they conquered, no matter how much they got, they were never satisfied. Then Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says, The one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. And the one who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. You make one million, you want two. It doesn't matter, he says. If that's the focus of one's life, and again, that's describing here in this context those whose desires are not upright. Verse 4, they will faint from exhaustion. They will keep trying to accumulate more and more, just like the Babylonians. And they'll never get to a place where enough is enough. Well, in contrast to that, I want to share with you for a few moments tonight, what is living by faith? Well, first of all, living by faith is trusting God to meet our needs. That's what living by faith is. Not going out ourselves and trying to accumulate as many material things as we can. Living by faith is trusting God to meet our needs. The key here is distinguishing between our needs and our desires. Can I say that? And let me say this. Our desires will never be satisfied. Our needs are very few. Let me say that again. Our desires will never be satisfied. Our needs are very few. So living by faith is learning to distinguish between our desires and our needs. Listen to these verses that speak to this in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Paul said, I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I have experienced times of need, and I have experienced times of abundance. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I am satisfied or hungry, whether I have plenty or nothing, I have learned that I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. Now, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most quoted verses by Christians in the Bible, but don't forget the context that it's in. It's in the context of learning to be content. And Paul said, I learned to be content through the strength that Jesus gave me. So that no matter what my circumstance was, I could be content. And I could trust God to meet my needs. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Now godliness combined with contentment brings great profit. For we brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take a single thing out either. But if we have food and shelter, we will be satisfied with that. Isn't that in great contrast to chapter 2, verse 5 of Habakkuk, where the one who is faithless is never satisfied? Jesus spoke about this as well. He said in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. But above all, pursue His kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 31-33. You see, the proud, they want to be satisfied. They want to be fulfilled. And let me say this. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be satisfied and fulfilled. Nothing. It's actually something that God built into us. It's what we in Christianity call that sort of, that hole inside of every human being. It's that wanting to be completed, wanting to be satisfied, wanting to be fulfilled. That God gave us. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be fulfilled or satisfied. It's that the faithless, just like the Babylonians, sought to be satisfied in the wrong way. They sought their fulfillment and satisfaction in other ways or other means other than God. And especially for the Babylonians, like many today, they sought satisfaction and fulfillment through material, physical things of earth rather than a relationship with God and the spiritual resources and abundance and blessings that comes through God. Which leads me to this next point under the point of true satisfaction is through faith alone. And that is this. Living by faith means finding satisfaction in God alone. That's what living by faith is. Finding satisfaction in God alone. The deepest and most enduring satisfaction in life is to be found in God. Not from God, but in God. The greatest delight of the Christian is to delight in the giver, not just in his gifts. So often we focus on the gifts, but God says, delight in me. Isn't that what Psalm 37 verse 4 says? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Do you know that God really does want Christians to be happy? 
You know, there are, I even grew up in churches where, you know, people thought that if you were a good Christian and you were spiritual, then that meant you were miserable. Because, man, you served and served and served and you sacrificed and you sacrificed and you were never happy. But that's not the message of the Bible. God says, no, no, here's how your, here's where your happiness comes from. Here's where your delight comes from. Here's where your fulfillment and satisfaction comes from. It comes from finding it in me. Finding your happiness in me. And that's what living by faith is all about. Listen to these verses from the Word of God. Psalm 68, verse 14. How blessed is the one whom you choose, God, and allow to live in your palace courts. May we be satisfied with the good things of your house, your holy place. Psalm 73, verse 28. But as for me, God's presence is all I need. Wow. How about Psalm 23, verse 1? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then I love this. This is one of my favorite verses. Psalm 84, verse 10. Certainly spending just one day in your temple courts is better than spending a thousand elsewhere. The psalmist said, I'd rather spend a day in God's house with God and with his people than a thousand anywhere else. In other words, he's saying there, my delight is in the Lord. We sang about all of that tonight. That's what living by faith is. See, the faithless Babylonians thought that satisfaction came some other way. And we see that today. How many people around this world are longing to be satisfied and fulfilled, which again is a God-given thing, but they're seeking their fulfillment and their satisfaction and their happiness and joy in everything else other than God. And God says, come to me. All ye who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And you'll find joy for your soul. And you'll find happiness. And you'll be fulfilled. And you'll be satisfied. Don't be like the Babylonians. Which is why God is using the Babylonians to bring His people to their knees and humble them so that they will come back to Him and find their joy and satisfaction and fulfillment once again. Too often, even for us as Christians today, we are so distracted and, and we are so preoccupied with everything other than God. Even in the message to the churches that Jesus gave in the book of Revelation, I was just studying this today because I'm going to do a series in Revelation many, many months from now. But it was very interesting to me that the bookends of, of Jesus' message to the churches there in Revelation 2 and 3, first of all, starts with the church at Ephesus, where Jesus says, you're preoccupied. You're, you're busy doing a lot of things, but guess what? You've left your first love. Where am I in the equation? See, Jesus should be the center of everything that a local church does. But that wasn't the case. And then you come over to the, what I call the putrid church, the church at Laodicea, the very last church that Jesus talks to, where he says, I just want to spit you out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. And then he goes on to say, I'm standing at the door of your church and I'm knocking. 
Can you imagine it? The head of the church, Jesus Christ, is standing at the door of a local church, the church at Laodicea, and asking to come in? He should already be there. Not only should he be there, he should be the very center of everything the local church does. And yet so often local churches are not centering everything that they do around Jesus Christ. And so God is saying to his people, delight yourself in me. Well, let's move on to the next point tonight. And that is beginning in verse 9 of chapter chapter 2, where true security is found through faith alone. True security. Not only satisfaction, but security. You see, the proud one, like the Babylonians, their objective was security through self-reliance, through their own devised plans and schemes. Notice what he says in verse 9 of chapter 2. The one who builds his house by unjust gain is as good as dead. How does this, He does this so he can build his nest way up high and escape the clutches of disaster. God is saying to the prophet Habakkuk that the Babylonians are like a lot of animals in the animal kingdom. Where do they build their nests? They build them as high as they can so that they don't get in trouble, so that they can escape disaster and calamity. And he's saying that's exactly what the Babylonians did. They thought, I've got this great plan, but it had nothing to do with God. And they put all of their security in their own efforts. In their own wit and wisdom. I can be secure. And here's how I'm going to do it. But notice what God says in verse 10. Your schemes, all your wit and wisdom will bring to shame your house. Because you destroyed many nations, you will self-destruct. For the stones and the walls will cry out and the wooden rafters will answer back. Wow. See, God is saying the Babylonians think they're the smartest people on earth. And they've got this all figured out. And we can be satisfied apart from God. And we can be secure apart from God. And God is saying to his people through the prophet Habakkuk, don't be like the Babylonians. When they come in and humble you and bring you to your knees and you repent and you come back to me, understand that only satisfaction comes through faith in me and only security, true security, comes through faith in me. In fact, let me give you two points here to sort of wrap things up tonight. Living by faith means not looking for security in anything in the world. Living by faith, first of all, means not looking for security by anything worldly or earthly. Let me give you a couple of examples. First of all, if you go back there to verse 9, the word schemes. It speaks about, again, that the Babylonians thought that their, their great intelligence and wisdom and all of that, apart from God, was going to get them somewhere. And it didn't get them anywhere. Because God says, any plans that you make that ha- don't include me will eventually come to nothing. 
Even your great plans for security in your life. Think about some other things. Let's think about health. Can you count on your health? No. In fact, Jesus even said in one of his stories in the Gospels, he said to the rich young ruler, you fool, tonight your soul's going to be required of you. At any point, God could call somebody home. At any age, people die. Health is uncertain. So we can't put our security in the fact that we're always going to be healthy. We're going to live a certain amount of years. We can't, we can't do that because life on earth is fragile and uncertain, you see. And then wealth. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, don't set your hope or put your hope in uncertain riches, which can be here one day and gone the next. If that's where your security is, if your security is primarily in your, you know, your retirement account or your bank account or anything, God says, is that really where your security's at? It's in your wealth, it's in your health, it's in your intelligence. How about other people? God says, are they reliable? Can you always count on them? No. And so that's why God is teaching all of us. Living by faith means finding security in God alone. Living by faith means finding our security in God alone. Now that doesn't mean... You and I don't do the things humanly that we can do to be responsible. But I still should not place my security in those things that are earthly and uncertain and can change tomorrow. I need to place my faith and security in the unchanging, chainless, changeless God and my relationship with Him that nothing can change, no matter what. And let me share with you tonight two of the best examples of the Bible calling us to this kind of life of faith when it comes to security. Turn with me, first of all, to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Maybe the best psalm ever written to encourage us to a life of faith when it comes to where do we place our security and why we should. I love this psalm. In fact, this is going to be one of the psalms just to give you two, a sort of a commercial. When we come back from our break, I'm going to do a 15-week series in the book of Psalms, looking at what are called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent were the psalms that were sung by the pilgrim travelers or worshipers that would gather from all over the nation of Israel and come to Jerusalem during the feasts and festivals. And they start with Psalm 120 and go through Psalm 134. That section of the Psalms is called the Psalms of Ascent or the Traveler Psalms. Well, one of those Psalms is Psalm 121. And look at it with me. I look up toward the hills From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. May he not allow your foot to slip. May your protector not sleep. 
Look, Israel's protector does not sleep or slumber. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect you in all you do now and forevermore. Amen. He is our security. And when we live by faith, we put all of our faith in God as our protector. He's my security. Not anything else. But God alone. And then Psalm 46. Another of my favorite psalms. Psalm 46. God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. For this reason, we do not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea, when its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake before the surging sea. The river's channels bring joy to the city of God, the special holy dwelling place of the Sovereign One. Sorry, I can't turn the page. God lives within it. It cannot be moved. God rescues it at the break of dawn. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are overthrown. God gives a shout. The earth dissolves. The Lord who commands armies is on our side. Sung about that tonight. The God of Jacob is our protector. Selah means stop and think about what I'm saying. Come witness the exploits of the Lord who brings devastation to the earth. He brings an end to wars throughout the earth. He shatters the bow and breaks the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, stop your striving and recognize that I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. The Lord who commands armies is on our side. The God of Jacob is our protector. What a message God has for the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk is worried. God, why would you raise up the Babylonians? I don't get it. And God says to him, Habakkuk, they're going to get theirs one day. I'm a just God. They're not going to get away with any of the evil, wicked things that they do. Oh, and by the way, I'm using them as an example, not a good one, a bad one. I want my people to see how they live and how, though they think that they are reaching for satisfaction, they were never satisfied a day in their life, never fulfilled a day in their life. And their reign as king of the world was very short-lived. Oh, and they thought they were secure. And I'm sure the peoples of the earth thought that they probably would never see an end to the Babylonian Empire. And yet it only took 70 years. Because their security was not in God. Their security was in their own self-reliance and their own schemes and their own plans. God is calling His people back to Himself. He wants us to find our delight in Him. I'll leave you with these verses tonight from the New Testament where Paul 
says it as well as anybody could say it about having God as the number one delight of his life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul said, But these assets I have come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung that I may gain Christ. Paul said, that's all I care about. All I care about is delighting myself in Jesus Christ and knowing Him more and more each day. He is my satisfaction. He is my security. I don't know where all of us are tonight in our life. But let me say this in closing. If you have come here tonight and you are searching in this world or in this life for fulfillment and satisfaction and joy and delight and having some kind of completeness and settledness to your life, apart from God, you will never find it. For it is only through faith in God alone that true satisfaction comes to the human heart. And if you're here tonight and you're struggling with security in your life, you're worried You're concerned. You're anxious. You're twisting in the wind. You're looking at worldly, earthly things to to bring you a sense of comfort and, and protection and security in your life. Let me encourage you with this. To settle yourself down into the arms of Almighty God and find that you will have a security in Him that you cannot and will not have in anything else. There is nothing on earth. I don't care how much money you have in a bank account. No amount of money can provide the security to your soul that God can provide. Find your security in the Lord. Next week, I hope you'll come back. We're going to see that only true accomplishment in life can come through faith in God alone. And only true honor in life can come through faith in God alone. I hope you'll come back as we continue our series in learning about what it means to have mountain climbing or high altitude faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our satisfaction. You are our delight. And God, may we come here tonight as your people saying, we delight in you, God. We find our joy in You, God. There is nothing, Lord, that we desire on earth but You. Your presence, God, is all that we need. May that be the cry of our heart to You tonight, God. And then, God, may our security be found in You. You can protect us better than anything or anyone else can. You never slumber. You never sleep. You always have your eye upon your children. God, may we have just faith in You and know that that's where our security, that's where our help comes from. May we look up to those hills and may we see You, Lord, there. Places where 
there could be trouble. Places that, that people could hide and, and places that could be daunting to us, God. But Lord, you're greater than the mountains. You created those mountains. God, may we look to you for our security tonight. Even in this world that is trying to find security in so many other ways and so many other means. God, may we rest in your arms tonight. The mighty arms of Jesus. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. We'll see you next week.